What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, hello, and welcome into What's the Spread? We are breaking down our top 10 Miles on Sports here. Mr. Brad Thomas, it was a great time last week talking with you about 25 through 11, but now it is time to talk about the real college football playoff contenders. Yes, man. This is uh, one of those moments that's very exciting because, I, you know, people love top 25. They love ranking lists, but they really only look for the top 10. And that's what I look at when the rankings come out, like, wholeheartedly. I care about the top 25, but we want to know who's playing for the championship. Right. And the 25 through 11, usually your up and coming programs or yep. maybe your wild cards. But now we're getting into who we think are the best teams in the country. Let's go ahead and get it started. Give me your number 10. My number 10, Oklahoma Sooners. Listen, the hirings of Brent Venables and Jeff Levy, remarkable. There's no denying that this team would probably be a top five team had they not lost so much. It's just like one of the wild card teams. I think they're just like a wild card team like USC is, where they lost so much, they gained so much. But I love Dylan Gabriel, and I love them as my number 10 team. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit about Oklahoma. I think I had them ranked inside my top 15. Do not forget about the Sooners just because they lost Lincoln Riley. Brett Venable steps in here. Could be a real improvement for them, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Bringing over Jeff Levy from UCF. I think that Dylan Gabriel is an absolute, I say breakout candidate, but we've already seen him tear it up before his injury. But now that he's coming into the Power Five, I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on him, maybe a lot more people that, uh, aren't as familiar with Dylan Gabriel, but absolutely, man. I mean, I I would have no problem anybody having Oklahoma inside their top 10. As you said, they lost a lot. Uh, it's, it's definitely a changing of the guard, but this is still the same Oklahoma program that's been one of the best programs in the country for the last 10 years. Yep, absolutely. All right, so uh, I'll go into my number 10 here, and that is going to be a surprise team in the Big Ten last year, and that is the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, this is where I have Michigan State here. I, I debated having them outside of my top ten, but really cannot ignore what they were able to accomplish last year. Now, I do want to say here about Michigan State. Yeah. Mel Tucker. They give this guy a life-changing contract, and I think it was pulling the trigger a little too soon. Not to say that I don't think Mel Tucker can be successful, but I'm telling you, he's not going to have uh, – I, I don't think he's going to have consistent 10-win seasons like we saw last year. Now, this addition's team, they lose Kenneth Walker. We know that. But they're bringing in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. They're bringing in a very good running back from Colorado and Jarek Broussard, who is a former Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. So I think that they can pick up where they left off in the running game. Really comes down to Pey uh, Peyton Thorne. Yeah. You know, he he had flashes last year where he looked good. He had flashes where it looked like he couldn't handle the spotlight. So I think that that offense is going to go as far as he takes them. And the defense was suspect last year. Um, against teams with winning records, the defense allowed 30.8 points per game. That's only going to get you so far. But I could see Michigan State here with another eight or nine wins uh, in the Big Ten East. Yeah, no, 10 makes total sense. Uh, at one point, we were talking about them as a possible playoff team. Um, and then and then their their poor defense, their terrible secondary, was really separated them from being elite to a team who's on the rise. Um, I, I like what you said about the, the Mel Tucker contract. I think they gave out this contract to kind of solidify stability. They Michigan yeah. State as a whole, through every program inside their college, likes to have that stable coach backing 
where they grow up in the program. The pro- program grows up with them. So number 10, totally fair. Who do you have at number nine? Number nine, this is where I have the Oregon Ducks uh, coaching turnover here. They lose Mario Cristobal to Miami. Uh, Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator from Georgia, comes in, who I think here is going to be a very good hire, especially in the Pac-12. you got to think about what Oregon has been doing on the recruiting trail. We've been talking about it for years. Cristobal was never really able to put it together as a playoff contender. But again, let's not forget Oregon's big win against Ohio State last year. The problem with Oregon, and we all know it, is that they'll have a big win in non-conference or they'll look good early and then they'll lose, you know, Eastern, like midnight Eastern time, they'll lose a game to Stanford or, you know, a a, a team in the Pac-12 that they're not supposed to lose to. And that's what causes them from really getting to that next level, getting to that repeat playoff contender. But a lot of talent here. They have seven returning starters on offense, seven returning starters on defense. Uh, Last year, they lose to Utah twice. Uh, which, you know, kept them from winning the Pac-12 championship. But Bo Nix, right? We talked about Bo Nix a lot with Auburn. Bo picks. <laughs> I think Bo Nix is worth at least nine wins. I think he could get you to that 10 mark, especially in the Pac-12. We got to think, and, and, and Bo Nix has been practicing with the first-team offense. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that, that it's automatic that he's going to win the job, but but he has been the first string. Uh, I'm pulling for him. I mean, coming from the SEC, you know it's very different into the Big 12. I think he's got the potential there. Uh, to have a very successful season, but it's going to come down to Oregon's defense here to see how far they go. Yeah, Oregon's interesting. Um, You said it, like, people forget about Pac-12 after dark. That's like a real thing. And I think the problem with Oregon uh, under Mario Cristobal was he was not the coach to get them up for games that don't matter. He was the coach that I feel like was the locker room speech guy that says, you guys are Oregon. We're playing at Stanford. Go out there and get the job done. But you cannot set that expectation that, Every team in college football is going to come after your throat, especially when you're the best or one of the best in your conference or division. Um, So I'm interested to see what happens uh, with Bo Picks back there and Oregon. (laughs) It's going to be interesting, uh, but Lanning is a great coach. A great coordinator should be a great coach. So solid move for them. My number nine, Baylor Bears. Dave Aranda has continued to help this program stay where they have been brought into. They were turning a lot. I was shocked. You know, there was so much about this team that I liked, especially defensively. They turned the Big 12. Then you look at it, the top two teams in the Big 12 were two of the best defensive programs, right? They turned the Big 12 into this run-and-shoot kind of offensive mindseted conference to where the top two teams play elite, elite defense. This is a team that's allowing, what, they allowed 18 points per game last season. I'm excited to see what happens when you have an elite coach like uh, Aranda who has a good offensive mind, offensive coordinator, and Grimes paired together. Should be a fun, fun season for them. I I could have made the argument that they could have been lower on my board. For those who have them like outside of – I've seen some people have them outside of the top 15. I think that's just a little disrespectful disrespectful for the uh, defending Big 12 champions. But I expect another big season out of them. The problem ranking with the Big 12 teams, though, is – you could make an argument for every single team in that division and inside that conference because there's a lot of very good teams who have a lot of high expectations now. Like Baylor is one of those teams moving forward, a double-digit win season is expected here on out. Yeah, and can they handle the expectations now? Uh, you know that 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 Aranda has given them with uh, a big season last year, big win against Oklahoma State in the in the Big Twelve Championship. We talked about a little bit about this last week that the number one and number two defenses in the league were Baylor and Oklahoma State. There's no reason to think that Baylor uh, should not be the favorites again. 
going into this year. They have a style of football that works consistently. Strong running game, good offensive line, very disciplined on defense. That's something that you can repeat as long as you've got the right guys coming in. As you said, they have a lot of guys returning. So I think with the Big 12, again, it's going to come down to the defenses of Baylor and Oklahoma State. You know, can Oklahoma make noise? Uh, I think Kansas State is a potential surprise team. So a lot to look out for in the Big 12, but Baylor, surely a very talented team. All right, uh, my number eight is going to be my highest-ranked Pac-12 team, and that is Utah. Uh, Between Utah, Oregon, and USC, really, I think those are the, the three teams to keep your eye on in this conference. Utah impressed the hell out of me yes, in that Rose Bowl so performance. Uh, gritty, really tough uh, team football. But one thing I do want to keep in mind is that, you know, we we can't read too much into that. I mean, you've got to think those guys, that was the moment of their lives playing in the Rose Bowl. It was, it was such a dream come true for Utah to be there. Uh, it, they had a great team, beat Oregon twice, won the Pac-12 championship. But there is a lot to keep your eye on here, and there's a reason that they're in a lot of people's top tens. Cameron Rising is coming at, back at quarterback. Tavion Thomas at running back. And Cameron Rising, before he got injured in the Rose Bowl, looked every bit the part of a big game quarterback. And I think that could make a huge difference for a team like Utah. They lose a lot on defense. Uh, Devin Lloyd really hurts on the defensive side of the ball. But Kyle Whittingham, and you and I have talked about this consistently, he knows how to build and coach the defense. Yes, That is something that Utah is always going to have. So I've got Utah and Oregon still as my two best teams in the Pac-12. I'm not ready to put USC over them because USC is not playing defense. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, we, right. I mean, we, we talk about it in the big 12, but uh, it, there's a lot to be said about the PAC 12 as well, that Oregon and Utah were two are, are consistently two of the best defenses in the league. And they were the ones to play for the title last year. So until USC can figure it out on the defensive side of the ball, I've got Utah and Oregon ranked ahead of them. Hey, that's fair. I have Utah much lower in my top 10 and for good reason. For my number eight team, this is where I have Oklahoma State. I really tried, tried very, very, very hard to have them lower, give them a little bit more respect because between us and everyone who's listening, I think they are a better team than Baylor. And my ranking shows that, you know, they're, they're returning Spencer Sanders and, and too many times, I think personally, I've been hard on Sanders, you know, like I expect more than he's delivered. But when you go look back at the film, you go look back at his numbers, he's delivered exceptionally well. And they were literally an inch away from the college football playoff. And I think they would have put up a much bigger fight than Cincinnati. They didn't lose too much on defense except Jim Knowles. And I think that was the reason why I was like, this elite defense if if you have an if you have a, a offensive minded coach like Mike Gundy is you know and you have an elite defensive coordinator and they leave, it's not just like a a, a click like a like a switch where you're just going to replace that that mentality that that mindset. And I, I know they're bringing in Derek Mason, who's like whatever uh, uh, a journeyman defensive mind, right? But it, losing Knowles was such a big like like d- down spot on their defense to where I had to bump them up a little bit higher to number eight. Eight's still a good spot for them. They have a good enough schedule. They play quality opponents where if they go and they only lose one game, they're in the playoffs. I, I just see there's so much parity in college football this year where they're in the playoffs. Yeah, that's the thing too with Oklahoma State. And we've talked about Spencer Sanders over the years in that 
at times, uh, you know, he's he's been up and down, but he's proven in big moments that that he can make it happen. He was so close in that Big 12 title game last year, had a huge game in Bedlam against Oklahoma. Uh, so that's big for them, returning experience at quarterback. They do lose Jim Knowles, uh, yeah. but returning a lot of pieces on that defense. So, uh, you know, that's that's really when you look at it, Oklahoma State is one of the most consistent programs in the country. Yes. So I think they're absolutely going to compete for the Big 12 title this year. All right, uh, let's go into my number seven. That's going to be where I have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. First year without Brian Kelly. My man Marcus Freeman takes over as head coach. It's the end of an era for Notre Dame. I mean, it really is. And, yeah. you know, I was I was never big on Notre Dame or Brian Kelly as a coach because they never won the big games. I, and I still stand by that. You can go back and you can try and tell me, oh, well, this was and this was. Uh, they They never got it done in the playoff when it mattered. Uh, there's no conference championship games for them to, uh, you know, s- see where they're really at as, you know, uh, besides the uh, 2020 season when, when they had the ACC. But still, for me, them not playing on the biggest weekend of the year, the conference championship weekend, is yeah. still a big downside for me for Notre Dame. I think they got to figure that out. But more so going to the team. I mean, they're coming back with the best offensive line in the country arguably, but no Jack Owen, no Kyron Williams. They're really going to be looking for new pieces here, uh, especially with the turnover. Uh, we don't know what Marcus Freeman is going to bring. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a really good defensive mind. But is Notre Dame going to be any different under Marcus Freeman than they were under Brian Kelly? I mean, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I have Notre Dame at number seven as well, too. And th- like you said, they're consistently a 10-win a team who – 10-plus, I'll give them credit for that – who I don't think anybody ever took them serious when the big game came to town. Like when they, when Notre Dame came to someone's school and it was a really big game, I don't think they were like, holy crap, we got to play Notre Dame this weekend. And that a lot has to do with the coach, you know, Brian Kelly. We'll see if Marcus Freeman can, can make them a scary, scary team. And I don't, I don't know if that happens. Uh, I remember watching Tyler Buckner play last year. Um, he came in and I was like, man, this kid has the ability to be, an elite electric quarterback, or he is going to be a turnover, terrible machine. So he is the biggest question mark for me. Like I, I think that running back's a little bit easier to replace. Kyron Williams was good, but you know, we could replace that. Now I don't say Jack Cohen's good, but like if Buckner's out there turning the ball over, has like 10 turnovers on the season, like they're going to be like a 15th ranked team. You know, uh, their defense is good, but I mean, they lost some pieces, lost Kyle, uh, Kyle Joseph, um and in the safety position so there's a lot that a lot of question marks around them but time and time again um are you nervous to play them like that's like that's that's what i need to ask like is Ohio right. state nervous yeah i mean i shouldn't be but i wasn't that nervous to play oregon last year as 14 and a half point favorites and we <laughs> saw what happened there uh but no i you know because i don't think Notre Dame is offering anything on the offensive side of the ball is, is especially you know when you hire a defensive-minded coach brian kelly yeah. left Notre Dame for a reason uh he went to lsu for a reason he couldn't bring in the game-changing players that he wanted to at Notre Dame. And it's why they got their ass kicked against Clemson. It's why they got their ass kicked against Alabama in their two playoff appearances. Yes. And say what you will about, you know, regular season wins and whatnot. It's about the playoff, man. So if those are your two performances in the college football playoff, Brian Kelly doesn't want to get back there and lose by 38 points again. So he's going to go to LSU where he can recruit five stars and actually have a fighting chance when it comes to those big games. But Notre Dame is consistently a top 10 team. They're consistently there. Yeah. Um, but there's just usually by the time the end of the season rolls around, there's plenty of teams that I want to rank ahead of them, even if they're sitting with 10 or 11 wins. 
totally fair. I'm 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 kind of glad that we have them both at seven. I feel like because like to me like that was like where they could go. That's as far as I could rank them. Same. Like, it, it's weird. Like they always just linger around in the college football playoff conversation. But do they really? Do they really, really, really ever have a legitimate shot to be a national champion in, in this day and age of Notre Dame? Well, it's going to be interesting because over the next two years, Ohio State and Notre Dame are playing each other twice. So that's big for them early in the season and, yes. and Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but that's a big, big game for Marcus Freeman coming into the shoe at yeah, night at the shoe. for the Holy first crap. game of the year. Uh, brutal. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about Ohio State and Notre Dame <laughs> in the coming weeks. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get into number six. This is where I have Texas A&M. I know that you had them much lower, and I did not want to have Texas A&M this high. I've seen them much higher. Uh, I've seen them in a lot of top fives. And, you know, listen, we we know why. They, they just had arguably the best recruiting class in the history of college football uh, with this new NIL deal. But, you know, really what it comes down to is how quickly can those freshmen make an impact? We know that Texas A&M has talent. But they lost yeah. four games last year in conference play. Four they bad went four games. and four well, in the SEC. Games. Yeah, yeah. Like you could argue two or three of those. They never should have lost with the amount of talent that they have. Yeah. Texas A&M is a vastly overrated program right now. There is no denying what they just did in recruiting. All right, let's give it to them. But Texas A&M has been overrated because this is another program or another team that when it mattered – haven't been able to win the big game. Yes, they beat yeah. Alabama last year, but they finished eight and four. They finished four and yeah. four in the SEC. They were nowhere near that. By the time they played Alabama, they were already 0-2 in the SEC. Yeah. So yeah. It, there's a lot to be said for that. A lot of the I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the last podcast, but a lot of what we do at Texas AM is we rate them really high early and then we make a ton of excuses for them. Like it happens time and time again. And I'm done making excuses for them. Like this is their chance. They have all these big recruits. Like Let's see what they do. Um, my number six, I have Michigan. Um, I wanted to make Michigan a top five team, and I moved them up one spot to fill in my number five. I'm excited, so excited to watch Ronnie Bell come back from injury because I thought he had the opportunity to be one of the best wide receivers. I know he doesn't have the offensive play calling to make him put up elite, elite numbers, but it'll be good to see him return. But this is a Michigan team who's losing – arguably their best player uh, in Aiden Hutchinson. When you are a team on the rise or a team who's trying to get back to what they were, you know, it's going to be important to use last year's momentum and build on it. You have a lot of offense coming back, a, a, a two-headed monster at running back. You have a good coach. So I want to see if Michigan can be Michigan again, or uh, do they go to Ohio State the shoe this year and lose by 40? Yeah, I think that Michigan is a team that here we are again where I think there is a lot of people already counting them out with yeah. everything that happened with Jim Harbaugh in the offseason and you know who they lost on defense and they got turnover in the coaching staff. But I've got more to say uh, on Michigan. I'm going to save my thoughts there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, right into the top five. So let's go yes. into number five. And for me, let's go ahead and talk about Clemson. This could be a make or break year for Dabo Sweeney's empire yes at clemson because we cannot see what we saw last year but listen clemson is still a top three or four program of the last 10 years if you're looking at the last 10 years yes. you've got to say they're a top two or top three program and i'm not going to have one season change my entire opinion on what they've done 
in recruiting. Now, do I think that Dabo Sweeney has a lot to change and he's got to come around to NIL? And there, there are things that need to change at Clemson and it starts with the offense because I'm telling you right now, if you took the time to watch any Clemson game last year, there is no semblance of an offensive game plan uh, no. in, in these schematics right now. They are not fooling and they're playing in the ACC. Yeah. They're not fooling anybody there. So they, there's a lot to work on there. Uh, but the defense is still good. The recruiting classes are still good. There's still a ton of talent. Now they lost, finally lost Tony Elliott, finally lost Brett Venables. So, but uh, they hired in-house, right? Which we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out for Dabo hiring the offensive and defensive coordinators in-house uh, because I, I really do think things need to change on the, yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I did mention with Brett Venables that I feel like that uh, that 2020 uh playoff game with Ohio State where uh you know, feels through for like six touchdowns in that game it felt like yeah. uh really put a lot of holes in that Venables defense but they came back and played really well really uh, really well last year and one more thing I wanted to say about Clemson especially last year let's go back to that Clemson and Georgia game Georgia okay. won the national championship they were one of the greatest defenses in the history of college football and at the end of the year they were standing on top of the mountain Clemson lost 10 to 3 Brett yeah so it's not like they went into that game and lost the game 45 to nothing because that's yeah. really what it felt like after they lost that game 10 to three. And it was a pick six that decided the game. Yeah. Everybody wrote off Clemson. And again, you know, they lost a couple of games after that, but it was not a, you know, a horrible program defining performance. No, it was listen. still a, a well played game by that team against the eventual national champion. I think that game. Like, you know, we talk about those early non-conference games. They can make or break your team or make or break your season. I think that yeah. game was like one that broke Clemson. And why I say that is because I don't think people really understood how good Georgia was. And we had so right. much expectations for, D, for DJ coming in here, being a five-star quarterback. I, I know that was probably one of the biggest um, losing days for me in college football last year because I had a lot of props tied around DJ's performance. And he did everything but perform. Um, and it, it was hard to get to stuck out of reverse. Like they were in reverse. It felt like from game one. Um, I have them ranked in my top five, but I'm going to move into my five and then kind of touch back on them when I go again. This is where I have Utah. Um, I'm a huge Cam Rising fan and a huge Utah fan, huge Whittingham fan. Why? Because Utah has always had good defense under Whittingham. They've always been stout defensively what they haven't had was and this is no offense to uh quarterbacks that have come before rising but they haven't had a true powerhouse quarterback a guy who can push the ball down the field consistently and consistently be a threat to the to the opposing defense and i think that's what rising is and to make make it even easier and make it better for them they have an elite running back like so let's say rising's having an off day just can pound the rock you know I think that five is a good spot for them because I don't think they're getting enough love and I want to be the person to give them the love at five. Yeah, I think Utah has a real opening this year that they really need to capitalize on. You've got USC, uh, you know, going to have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but they're going to figure out their defense. That's a transition period for Lincoln Riley. You've yeah. got Oregon with coaching turnover. This is a big opportunity for the Utah program to make their mark. Yes. where they have all of the consistency in this conference, but they have to deliver. Yep. Um, and I think they definitely have the players to do that. 
All right, so let's go ahead into the top four. I'm just going to say here, going back to last year, I think the two biggest playoff-defining games in the country last year were Ohio State-Michigan and Alabama-Georgia and the SEC Championship, and my top four is going to represent that. I'm going to start here with my number four, and that is the Michigan Wolverines. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh for a second. We know what happened in the offseason. We know he, uh, for whatever reason, he went after NFL jobs. It didn't work out. I, I, I still do not know why he did that because I think that did set them back a little bit. But I think we're right back on track here with Michigan. Now, there's a lot that they lost, right? Similar to Clemson. They lose Gaddis, their offensive coordinator. They lose Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator. But Harbaugh's used to turnover uh, on his staff. So, so I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. As you said, probably lost their best player in Aiden Hutchinson. But the offense is coming back strong. Yeah, that's the key. They've got eight returning starters on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think JJ McCarthy is going to push Cade McNamara for the starting quarterback job. I think he's more talented. You got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards in the running game. I think this is going to be a very good offense, Brett. And I think it's going to be an offense that comes in. Uh, we talk about this word identity a lot. I think Michigan has it. And I think it worked for them last year. Look at what happened in that Ohio State Michigan game. Michigan was the one that had the identity on the offensive and defensive lines, but specifically what they were doing in that running game, completely controlling the line of scrimmage, pushing the Ohio State front seven around. It was huge for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a program that can uh, build off this momentum that, that they have. They ran into a very good Georgia team in that playoff. And yeah, they're years away from uh, what Georgia is right now. But I'm not writing off Michigan. I think they are easily a top four team. Uh, not complete, not completely cleaned out on the defensive side of the ball. They lost some star power, but I've got Michigan at number four. I still think that they can come back and have a really strong season, and they still make me nervous in the Ohio State Michigan game, especially after what happened last year. You know, it's gonna be an interesting season for Michigan uh, at Iowa, at Ohio State. No tough games. Michigan State, Penn State, Nebraska. One of those, they'll probably trip up one or two of those. Um, so now they have four potential games where they're gonna have to run the table or go three and one for them to, to have an, a legit chance to be in the playoffs. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for Michigan because, you know, having worked in Michigan for so long, I have so many friends that I've met along the way that are Michigan fans. And so I like when all my friends teams are good. Like if we could just have a party full of Alabama, Ohio state, um, F Auburn. No, <laughs> like, UCF. <laughs> we just have a party playoff, you know, all, all four teams of all my friends. And then we battle it out for who's the best. Um, but I'm going back to Clemson at my number four. Um, yeah. I do think DJ figures it out. Um, you know, first year in the spotlight under uh, quarterback Jesus, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, after quarterback Jesus, Trevor Lawrence, there's a lot of expectation. Um, and the offensive line wasn't that good, you know? That's one thing we've always known about Clemson is they've had a good offensive line, good defensive line. This year, they had a good defensive line, great defense, great defense. Who's returning, what, eight starters, I think? But the offensive line wasn't that good. The play calling wasn't that good. I think Dabo turns it around. And a lot of that has to do with we say that the ACC has gotten so much better. But has it really? Like, are when Clemson goes and plays Wake Forest, is Wake Forest going to be able to stop the pass rush again? Like Wake Forest is going to be a top 15 team when they play them. It, 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 Clemson's going to probably go out there and, and do the exact same thing again. Like when they played North Carolina State, they played North Carolina State at home. They're probably winning that by double digits. Uh, they play Miami at home. Miami is going under an entire identity change. We don't know what we're going to get out of Miami. So it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, I think Clemson has the elite enough, has an elite enough defense with returning enough talent on defense to kind of mask some of those inefficiencies that DJU might have. Um, but I do think they turn it around a little bit. Yes, I think Clemson could easily find their way right back into the college football playoff. And it, it, it just seems like that, you know, they, as we already said, they, they were written off last year. Uh, don't write them off this year because because Clemson really could come back strong. They really could figure things out on the offensive side of the ball. We know the defense is going to be good. Uh, we know that. And they've been recruiting, still been recruiting well. So Clemson could easily find their way back to the playoff. Uh, I think top five is, is a really good spot for them. Yep. All right, number three, this is where I have the – Ohio State University. And I'll tell you something right now. I, you know, I I said that USC was the biggest wild card in college football this year. I think the biggest factor in college football this year is going to be Jim Knowles. I think that he was already the most impactful hire in the country. And the reason I say that is because if he can find a way to turn the defense around from any semblance of something on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> This Ohio State team is going to be very dangerous, but that's what it's going to come down to. They were an abject disaster on the defensive side of the ball last year. And even worse, when I spent time in the offseason rolling back the tape on the defense, they weren't coached well. There no. was no urgency. There was no, no passion. They were lost. Yeah. You And I still stand by the fact that you can't turn that around in one offseason. And, you know, I've been told that you know they're they're looking better in practice and and they're picking up Jim Knowles schematics and it's a 425 defense so it's relying on uh you know the strong play of our safeties and corners and speed but I just don't know if you can turn around that disaster of a defense in one offseason and when you see that Georgia possibly the best defense that we've ever seen in college football they're the ones that win the national championship last year with Stetson Bennett at quarterback and yes, I'm still talking some shit about Stetson Bennett because he won a national championship, but it was because of the defensive side of the ball. You have to know how to play on that side of the ball. Ohio State could have the best offense in their school's history. I think that this might be our most talented offense ever. And we just lost Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on mm -hmm. the offensive side of the ball. Two top 15 draft picks. But with C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jibba, and I think Marvin Harrison is going to be a huge breakout candidate uh, at wide receiver this year. I just think that we're going to see big things from this offense. Uh, there's no doubt that they're going to be nearly unstoppable. But what are they going to do on the defensive side of the ball? In Big Ten rankings, they ranked ninth in scoring defense and total defense last year. Ninth out of 14 teams. That is not a national championship team. And that is not a playoff team. So it, it, it really comes down to how quickly can they figure things out on the defensive side of the ball? Because if they can't figure it out, we're going to have a repeat of what we saw last year. And I think it's a possibility that it could be another 10-2 and two season if they don't figure things out on the defensive side of the ball. That's totally fair. Um, man, this is going to be fun. Uh, I have Georgia at number three. Um, this Georgia reminds me, this Georgia team reminds me a lot of that Alabama team right after they won the national championship and then all of the defense left and people just kept telling me, I was worried, dude, like it's watching like freaking Shane Lee, uh, try to try to go out in coverage and dude runs like a, like a four, eight and yeah, he's a five-star, but he's a five-star freshman. Um, it reminds me a lot of that team where people all off season were like, dude, you'll be fine, man. You'll be fine. Alabama's going to reload. Alabama's going to reload. They always reload. We only had, I think we had two starters on the defense returning. Georgia has three. 
And the biggest thing for us was what made us so good is we got to the quarterback and we stopped the run. And that's the players that left for Georgia. That's why I have them at three and I have Ohio state higher because I said this earlier and I'm going to say it in the inverse. When your offense is that elite, you can sometimes mask your bad defense. And I don't think Georgia's defense will be as elite. And I, I, I know they know Stetson Bennett's their quarterback. Um, they have good wide receivers. They have freaking Brock Bowers, who's an unfair a hybrid between Gronk and uh, and and uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, tight end out of Las Vegas. Like that's unfair. Yeah, sure. But like that defense is going to have to be legit, legit. And I don't think that's something that's going to happen. Um, so that's why I have them at number three. But I mean, regardless, if I rank you one through four. You're in the college football playoffs. Uh, it just depends on who you're playing. So they, they can surprise me, but I think they're going to be, you know, have some tough situations on their hand. They're going to play a better Florida team who, who has, uh, you know, AR 15. They have a hungry Mississippi state team who looks like they've gotten better. They play at Kentucky. Um, they play Tennessee. I think they have Tennessee at home. Like they're the, the, the SEC East is going to be a wild card this year, depending on how good that Georgia defense can be. If they can even be half as good as last year, they're going to be in the national championship game. Yeah, Georgia is where I have uh, uh, my team at number two. Uh, you know, I've I've got them uh, ahead of Ohio State because I've got to give them respect for the national championship win uh, because they got it done and Ohio State didn't even make the playoff. Yeah. But as you said, the, there's a lot to unpack here. Five first-round picks, all defensive players. <laughs> Unreal defense. I yes. mean, just a historic defense so they have to take a step back it's they're still going to be a very good defense but when you have possibly the greatest defense we've ever seen in the game you're going to take a stop uh, a step back the next year and you still got Stetson Bennett at quarterback Uh, (laughs) I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback by the end of the year because of what you said they're going to have to rely a little bit more on the offense yeah double or triple what they had to last year because they're going to finally give up some points. Now, yeah. this is still a Georgia team that has been one of the best recruiting programs in the country. We know they're loaded with talent. We know they're going to reload, and they're going to be tough. But let's hope that the SEC East, as you said, has some up-and-coming programs like a Kentucky, like a Tennessee, like a Florida. If those programs can take a step forward, then maybe Georgia can be challenged. But if those programs don't take any kind of step forward, Georgia rolls through their schedule again. Yep. Easy. Agreed. All right. Who do you got? Number two. Number two, I have your Ohio State Buckeyes. And I said this, I, I said this, and I'm going to stand by it. I have them ranked higher than Georgia because I think, man, that offense is going to be legit. It's going to be so legit. You guys are going to put up 38.5 points per game. Mark that number down because it's going to be the exact number you guys put up per game. You're like, Brad, how did you know that? I'd be like, Duh, I know. I see the future. And Jim Knowles is going to get the defense where it needs to be. It, it doesn't even need to be Georgia level. It doesn't even need to be no. hell. It doesn't even need to be Oklahoma two years ago level. It just needs to be better. It needs to be hungrier. It needs to have a sense of urgency. It needs to want to fight, get dirty in the trenches. A lot of standing and looking around and finger pointing went on last year, especially yep. in the big moments when you guys were losing. And I think a good defensive coordinator changes that. Uh, he changes the the culture of your defense. Wants dogs, you know. Wants dogs in the trenches, and then I think that has yes, have the opportunity to do that. Uh, that's why I have you as at number two. That's what it takes, and you know, I think that's why he he was the right guy to bring in. It was the best thing that Ryan Day could have done, and it also solidified the fact that 
I think that Ryan Day is, you know, is one of the best coaches in the country because he's willing to make those kinds of moves. He's willing to make those hires. Uh, you know, he started making those changes early last year when we couldn't figure things out. But you've got to think about the momentum that this Ohio State program has on the offensive side of the ball right now. Ryan Day has been handling the offense ever since Dwayne Haskins, folks. And I'm telling you right now that these schematics and, and, and what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball is only going to get better. Now you got yep. CJ Stroud coming into year two. You got Jackson Smith and Jidba coming back. Uh, the, the best wide receiver room in the country. My, uh, possibly the best running back in the country in Travion Henderson. This offense is going to be explosive. And I said that last year, but I did not say that I think it could be the best offense in Ohio State history. And I really do believe that. Uh, you know, in the Dwayne Haskins year, uh, he had the best season at a, as a quarterback at Ohio State, but the defense was the weakness that year. Yeah. If you can't figure out the defense, then you're not going to win a championship. Uh, I think that we have the chance to do that with a guy like Knowles. All right. We both got him at number one. So <laughs> let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, year in and year out, I've got these guys at number one because they continue to be the standard. They continue yes. to be the bar. And the first thing I wanted to say about Bama before I throw it to you is, Georgia had the best defense in the history of college football last year. And Bama was still right there to win a championship. It, I, I feel like there's nothing you can do to stop or uh, to slow them down. I feel like it took a defense with five first That's round an NFL, NFL team. draft picks. That's an that NFL team. An NFL <laughs> defense. It took an NFL defense <laughs> to finally stop Nick Saban. It, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Right? So – yeah, Bama's not going anywhere. They're the number one team in the country, and they're better than Georgia this year. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying if Bama and Georgia play on a neutral field right now, first game of the year, Bama wins by 14 yeah. because Georgia has a lot of things to figure out, and Bama doesn't. You got the returning Heisman winner in Bryce Young. Uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, this is the best team this in the country. This is going to be a scary Alabama team. It's been a long time since Alabama. And, okay, let's just back it up a little bit. Let me back it up. What Alabama has always been good at is pressuring the quarterback. And last year, you could see it started to get better. Will Anderson should have been a Heisman finalist. It started to get better. And, you know, now I think it's really going to be there. With Dallas Turner in his second year, Will Anderson in his NFL year, he's going to want to battle to be the number one overall draft pick. Returning eight starters, Kool-Aid McChristie is in his second year. You have Jordan Battle, who's probably going to be one of the best, one of the highest drafted safeties in the NFL draft, back for another year. There's so much to love about this defense. All right. Now, what I was really, 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 and I'm going to say really one more time, worried about was this uh, wide receiver room. You know, I I really believed in my heart of hearts that a Jai Hall was going to be one of the next great wide receivers in college football. Like I believe that so much. And then he goes to Texas and I was like, he's it's just unfair. Now this amazing quarterback's going to be there. And uh, man, I mean, wide receiver. Now the transfer portal has given gifts to Nick Saban. Now we get uh, Jermaine Burton. And what really was important for Nick Saban um, in that offense was to get another speed guy similar to that of, um Jameson Williams and they did in 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 Tyler Tyler Harrell and our running back room is going to be congested it's going to be interesting but adding Jameer Gibbs is going to be another threat because I don't know if Trace Anders is ever going to you know come back from being on from, from that injury you know he had a catastrophic 
uh, a hip injury because of a car accident. But the transfer portal has been nice. We're replacing Evan Neal with the, with another offensive line we got from the transfer portal. This Alabama team is the only thing stands in a way is injury. And I do think that let's say Bryce Young goes down. I think that Milrow is a good enough quarterback and he's going to be our quarterback of the future to, to be good enough to carry them along the way because that defense is going to load them up. Yeah. Bama lost a lot as well. Uh, no Jamison Williams, no John Mechie, no Slay Bolden, no Brian Robinson. So they've got to look for those playmakers. Uh, but as you said, it's interesting to, to, you know, to see Bama uh, looking to the transfer portal. It worked out with Jamison Williams, I think. Yep. So I, I think, I, I think they're going to be okay. They definitely uh, had some big impact guys coming in. I think Will Anderson is the best defensive player in the country. And I also, while we're talking about defensive players, we passed over Georgia without talking about Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are going to battle for the best defensive player in the country. In yeah. my opinion, then those are the two best. So, you know, Georgia's got to reload on the defensive side of the ball, but you know they will. Bama's got to reload on the offensive side of the ball, but you know that they will. And when you got a guy like Bryce Young at quarterback, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be tough to bring down Alabama. It doesn't yeah. matter what year it is. It, it, it doesn't matter the game. Uh, you know, he, he was big for them last year. And you got to think about, right, going back to that Auburn game when, you know, it was not down to the uh, Bama defense to win that game. It was up to the Alabama offense to drive down the field and win that game um, yeah. and then went into overtime. But Bryce Young really showed up in that game, really impressive. Um, I think C.J. Stroud will get more stats than Bryce Young this year. I hope. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but but really, I mean, when when you look at the Heisman frontrunners in, we'll talk about them. I'm very high on C.J. Stroud for obvious reasons. Can Bryce Young win back-to-back Heismans? Uh, only one person has ever done it in the history of the game, so I don't think so. But this is a guy that is an absolute leader, an, an absolute game-changer. You know he's not yep. going to make the mistakes when it counts, and that's why Bama's going to be so tough to beat. That's why they're number one. Yep. I, I agree with everything you say. Anytime you, you know, give kudos to Alabama, I get kind of excited. I'm like, oh, keep saying it, Miles. You're making me sweat. You're making me want to kiss you. <laughs> Listen, this has been fun, Miles. Yeah. Um, you know, this is making me so excited for college football season. Like, all I want to do is just be in a stadium, you know, like be in a stadium, hear the bands, watch people celebrate, watch people be in agony. Like, there's just so much about college football that's just amazing. And Speaking us, of the stadiums and the stadium yes. experiences, over the next two weeks, we're going to be breaking down our top 10 non-conference games to look forward to and our top 10 conference games to look forward to. So definitely go back, listen to 25 through 11, uh, and then uh, come back next week and the week after. We're going to start talking about some matchups. We talked about the teams. We've talked about the rankings. But now let's start talking about the matchups. Yes, Miles. Let's do that. Hey, man. Thanks again. Guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to download, rate, subscribe. Have a great day. Go college football.